it's a Tuesday. It's a Tuesday evening. It is seven o four p.m. and for the next give or take fifty six minutes, we're going to be talking technology and everything else in between. I hope you're ready. This is City Trends. Good evening to you. My name is Philip Sean and welcome to City Trends. City Trends is sponsored by First National Bank. How can we help you? And ZPay, freedom to choose, express, and transact. Simply dial star 270 hash right now and enjoy that freedom. ZPay, your trusted remittance to mobile money wallet partner, is now a licensed mobile money company. You can now have the freedom to receive your money transfer from abroad directly into your ZPay mobile money wallet. It also gives you the freedom to cash out from all agents, cash in at agents online with Visa card or from any third-party mobile money wallet. You can also transfer to all wallets as well. Buy airtime for all networks in Ghana and other parts of the world. Pay bills and transfer into any bank account without um, having to link them. That is the freedom that ZPay is bringing you. Simply dial star 270 hash irrespective of your network and sign up for ZPay. Well, with ZPay Mobile Money, there is freedom and no wahala. Your money is safe and secure. That is the freedom they are talking about. Call them on 0302-905-700 or WhatsApp them on 050-156-7073. For more information, you can visit myzpay.com. And remember, of course, this show is proudly also supported by First National Bank. How can we help you making life so much easier either with your online banking enterprise or with the mobile app, whichever one it is, just know that First National Bank is the bank that is here to help you. On the show today, we have quite a number of interesting conversations. For example, how do we efficiently ensure that we get internet right from you know the service provider all the way down to the 
end of the mile. We always talk about the last mile. Well, what happens when we get to the end of that mile? How do we get internet to people in our villages, people who don't have ready access to electricity, whatever it is? How do we get access to internet access to them for them to better their lives? We'll also be having some pretty interesting conversations with some folks who are going to be joining us as we try to understand some of the changes that are happening around us that some of us have sort of shifted to the back burner just a bit as to why well we're going to be finding out in just a bit it's going to be a great show we have the app segment and of course the training segment and then we have your tech as well sneaking its way into it of course you know the apple event ended a couple of minutes ago lots of talking points especially the m1 chip well do with it and deal with it as you please it's going to be an interesting show stick and stay you can join us on our whatsapp number 0549-986-996 the number once again is 0549-986-996 you can join us for this riveting conversation it's going to be great stuff i'm going to be joined by two gentlemen who are connecting with us all the way from kenya and rwanda so it's a very international show today we'll be coming to them in just a bit don't go anywhere this is city trends On a daily basis, we have these conversations about which internet is faster, whether it's 3G or 2G or 4G or now 5G. And um, we talk about how some of, sometimes it's not as fast as we would want it to be. We often complain about, you know, how when we are moving out of Accra, for example, the internet gets slower and slower. Sometimes you get to a place somewhere in Navrungo or whichever one it is, and you don't get the best kind of internet access. <sighs> How are we going to ever bridge that gap if we're ever going to bridge it? Well, I decided to hook up with um, two friends of mine um, who have been doing some pretty good work outside Africa, outside Ghana, actually. And um, just to find out, giving it sort of like a continental feel in terms of the conversation. Sometimes, you know, we, we feel that all the problems about Internet are just, you know, concentrated in Ghana. Well, there are other, you know, people across the continent who are, facing similar issues and so um i hooked up with two uh, friends of mine who will be joining me with this particular conversation to find out what exactly is happening in other parts of the continent you know where similarities lie with regards access to internet and also what lessons we can learn from each other they also have some pretty interesting innovations in mind and they'll be sharing all of that with us on the show today and so, quick one. Um, firstly, I would like to introduce um, Andy, Andy Hassel, who is the CEO of um, POA Internet, or POA Internet, an ISP bridging the digital divide by providing affordable internet to rural and low-income communities in Kenya. Andy, if you can hear me, good evening, and thank you so much for joining us on the show. 
Hi, Philip. Good evening. Thanks for having me on the show. Brilliant. Brilliant to have you. Then we have Henry. Henry is all the way in Rwanda. Um, he has been involved in quite a lot. And um, he he's a very special kind of guy. Why? Because for over 10 years, Henry has been a well-respected voice on entrepreneurship in Africa, renewable energy, innovation, technology, impact, and so much more. And um, he is an all-round nice guy. Henry, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Oh, thanks really for having me, man. <laughs> yes, indeed. So let's let's start off the conversation. Um, Henry, let, let, let's kickstart things with you. Do you often find it exasperating when you move outside of Rwanda and you hear other African countries complain about internet access? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's one of those... Uh, I would say continental problem. You know, if, if you go outside, the network might be not as strong and, and it, it becomes a big problem. But, you know, it, as I said, things have improved though since I've been back. I see. And when, when you say improved, like how, how, how much better is it compared to probably five years ago? Well, I, I can only speak for Rwanda. Yes, please. Absolutely. Um, so for example, now, now, for example, in Rwanda, we have 4G pretty much uh, over 90% of the, of the territory. I mean, Rwanda is a small country, but um, the, the, the network, the, the government has spent a lot of money on building uh, the infrastructure. So the infrastructure here, it's pretty solid. Uh, the only challenge that still needs to be solved is, is cost, mm. uh, which is still being worked on, but cost is still expensive so the infrastructure is there but the cost still need to be worked on when when you do a comparison with some of the other african countries that you tend to travel to and do business with how how does rwanda compare i mean of course rwanda uh, i would say um the government has spent is doing a much better job i have to say than than a lot of countries that have been traveling mm. but it, it it depends how you look at it right mm. if you look at the infrastructure on the micro level then yeah there, there's a lot of work uh that the government has done compared to a lot of other countries mm. but if you look on a micro level there's still a lot of work to be done mm. andy let me let me come to you then how you 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 basically are building or have built an isp basically and you are the you are the thick of things as well how how what is your view on how much access you know the ordinary citizen or the average citizen has to internet, especially in um, in the country where you find yourself today, in Kenya. Uh, well, I I can talk about Kenya, but but also my experience in in a few other African countries. Absolutely. I mean, it's the the level of access people have is 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 very poor. Uh, you know, a lot of you know, I think across the entire continent, it's something like only twenty percent of people actually use the internet on a regular basis. Um, I don't know the specific statistic for Ghana, but Kenya is a little higher than that. But it's it's still a long way from from where it should be. But but it's worse than that. It's not just that people you know can't get online. Um, being able to afford to use the internet in a, a meaningful way is is very difficult. Uh, you know, people are paying mobile bundles. They're buying a, a small number of gigabytes or megabytes. Um, you know, people want to watch videos. They want to stream YouTube. They want to you know fully engage with the richness of the internet and uh, being able to afford to do that is is prohibitive whether you're in kenya or um certainly i was just looking at some of the pricing in ghana and say the ghana the pricing in ghana is very similar to kenya um it's, it's too expensive for people to use in a in a mass way 
and and for you, what I mean, because we've seen some examples of you know Facebook and the like trying to um, provide free internet on some scale. We've had um, examples in in India, for example, where they've been you know pushed back, especially with you know the free access and what's who determines what is free and which platforms that people actually want to have free and things like that. What have you made of all some of these in, interventions that we've seen in the past? Well, it's great to say free internet access, but if if internet access means a certain limited set of sites, you know, censored by um, a large international internet company, that's not really internet access. You know, we, we're kind of of the the mindset that says, you know, people should have affordable internet and they should be able to get to anything they want to. Uh, you know, we shouldn't be controlling what what people access. That's effectively a form of effectively a form of censorship. I don't think Facebook went about it thinking they would censor people, but the the way their technology worked may, you know, sort of limited what people could use online. And, uh, you know, they got into a lot of trouble around that. So, you know, our, our view is you've got to create an open internet. It's got to be uh, non-constrained. People should be able to access whichever websites, which. Oh, we seem to be having a bit of an audio challenge uh, connected with Henry. But then even as we wait to connect with Henry, I'll just, um, I, Andy, sorry. So Henry, if you can hear me. Yes. Yes, brilliant. So, I mean, talking about what Andy was, um, you know, speaking about a couple of minutes ago, about some of the, the limitations and the constraints, for example, one of the biggest constraints happens to be the cost. Is that the same situation where you find yourself? And um, what has it been like trying to get you know, the average person to be able to afford, you know, internet that doesn't have strings attached to it almost? Well, the, the, the challenge, and I do want to talk a little bit about this also, Philip, is that the, the challenge is not just the internet. The internet is, just, at least for me, the, the, the vehicle to bring information, information. You know, to, to an end user on the phone. But there's more challenges, digital literacy, is a big problem in low-income communities. That you also have the majority of the smartphone that those communities use are low-end smartphone. So they cannot do the high processing of apps, gamings, and all those things that me, my phone or yours can do. Uh, and then also as, and then you have the energy problem, right? You cannot talk about connectivity without energy. So all those problems need to be solved. It's not just access to the internet. Uh, you know, the, 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 it, you have to solve all those aspects. I mean, as Andy said, the majority, 70% of the population across Africa are still not connected or never been connected. So um, when, when they're their first user, you need to educate them. You need to develop products that cater in a digital literacy way that where they can you know, better understand what function uh, the, the app does or what function this uh, solution uh, does. So all those aspects are the problem, not just internet cost. And, and then it widens the, the problem almost because you, you then are almost faced with an issue that you just probably can't tackle on your own. It, it's a multifaceted problem almost instantly because then you, like you said you're thinking about energy you're thinking about even the educational levels you're thinking about its application in the life of the ordinary person it becomes a very very complicated matter almost doesn't it 
Yeah, it does. It does. And then you you add languages now because now most of the apps or solution you have, uh, we, we don't develop in local languages, mm. you know, and then it has to be services or solution that brings value. Mm. You know, the, the need of a of someone in rural area or we operate in refugee camps is, is not the same need as in urban setting. So we cannot bring a general uh, solution to a specific problem. And that's why there's no such thing. There's not going to be one solution to solve this problem. It has to be a combination of different type of solution working together to solve that problem. Now, that's the only way it's going to work. I'll be, I'll be coming to you to expand on, on, on the on those sort of other ways by which we can tackle the problem. But Andy, can you hear me now? It can. Apologies, sir. I got cut off. Yeah, we we lost you. So you you were talking, for example, about what free internet actually is and who determines what free internet is, and you know how Facebook got into itself into a bit of a conundrum trying to provide a service, but then forgetting that the people who are accessing the service probably want it in a different format than what they are willing to offer. So if you can conclude on that briefly for us. Yeah, we, we, we very much believe that the internet should be a kind of an open platform. People should be able to connect to whichever service uh, they want, you know, whether that's a Facebook managed service or, or something else. Uh, you know, Facebook isn't the internet in itself. I mean, I think Facebook um, had very good intent with their service, but they, they did fall foul of effectively sort of limiting what people could could access. Mm. Um, and so, you know, it's it, I don't think the issue is necessarily about getting free internet. It's very difficult to deliver free internet in any meaningful way long term because there's just a, a large cost for building the infrastructure, building the network. Mm. Uh, what we've got to get to is, is very affordable internet. Mm. Uh, so people can consume whichever websites they want in whichever way they want. You can don't have to worry about are they running out of, of megabytes on their bundle or gigabytes on their bundle. Uh, you know they should be sort of unconstrained, uh, and people will be p- willing to pay for that as long as it's a very reasonable price. Mm. How far away are we from being able to achieve that? I think we're making great strides. We've got to be creative about how we solve uh, the problem. Uh, you know, the, 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 the traditional ways of delivering internet on the continent is, is through 3G and 4G. Um, and the cost of that infrastructure is, is very high. Uh, but it's, the, it's really the only thing that's been available historically. Uh, and because the infrastructure cost is very high uh, versus the amount of data it can serve, the, the cost for, to the end customer is, is very high. Um, what uh, people like Henry and myself are, are trying to do is find alternative ways to serve that internet access uh, which take that cost out of the equation and which allow us to offer services far more far more affordably. Um, so it's coming. And, you know, businesses like ours and businesses like Henry's and there's several others dotted around the continent, um, you know, are starting to use a different technologies, different techniques, um, things that aren't the traditional cellular operators. Um, and that's drastically reducing cost. I see. Henry, Let's get into those yes. solutions that you were referring to, those multifaceted solutions that, uh, um, that you, you were referring to a couple of minutes ago. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of solutions, uh, and I'll invite any, anyone to see the finalists uh, of Africa 50, the seven finalists, and, and not just the seven. I mean, I, I'm sure there's much, uh, much more companies uh, that apply, but there's a lot. There's mesh network uh, uh, technology, uh, in, in our case, for example, there is, uh, we, we, we building our own edge network. So uh, our concept is we, we store uh, digital application locally and distribute it via Wi-Fi. 
Uh, I believe Wi-Fi is, is, uh, is a spectrum that is going to be needed. I mean, if you look at Europe, for example, they have millions of Wi-Fi hotspots across the continent. I mean, their continent. In Africa, it's still something new that we don't have those things. So it's going to be a combination of different types of technology. You have microwave technology uh, uh, that telcos use also. So all this technology will be needed. At, you know, there'll be usage and needed at some point. Uh, the question now is, uh, you know, how can we put all those companies together to partner, you know, to, to share uh, this this um, value chain, if you want to call it, to minimize the cost of implementation. That's the problem. Mm. Everybody's trying to solve this problem individually, and that's not going to happen. Mm. We need to come together, and we need to, you know, to 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 solve this problem as a unit. And that's 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 what I believe is the is the key. How how why has it proven to be so difficult in the past for these collaborations to happen, Henry? Uh, I mean, and now you're asking my my personal opinion. I don't want to sound like this, but that's my <laughs> yes. personal opinion. Yes, I respect I, that I, one. I, I mean, you know, I, I don't I don't want to create, but I think it's um, I think it's a mindset. You know, we we, do, we yet don't have this mindset of of partnership yet. Uh, you know, everybody's doing their own thing. Plus, the market in Africa is very fragmented. Mm. You know, it's a very fragmented market. So. You, you, if you look at the market, East Africa don't necessarily communicate a lot with West Africa mm. or Southern Africa. Mm. Everybody's trying to do their own thing. Then you have government regulation that can be a problem also. So you have a lot of different layers mm. yeah, of, of challenges. But I think it, it, it will have to change. It's not that it will change, but it will have to change. A lot of companies, it, it's solving the last mile, it, it's capital intensive because mm. it requires hardware and software, not just software. So at some point, we have to understand that, you know, coming together is key. And teleco, teleco can play a huge role into that space. Mm. I think telecom company should open investment fund to solve that problem because mm. it can benefit them in the long run. And not just teleco, but also big ISP. But telecos are the biggest player right now in Africa. So I think they need to be more engaged instead of just focusing to the same market segment. Uh, you know, and that's that's the problem also. Andy, your your thoughts on, on, on that particular one in terms of figuring out how best to solve this and why we seem to be, why why we don't seem to be collaborating enough to solve the question of getting internet access, our, at least affordable internet access to the to the people at the very end of the mile. Yeah, indeed. And it's, I mean, it's a really good question because you have, um, you know, all these telcos, you know, the big telcos, the MTNs, the Airtels, we have Safaricom in Kenya, Vodafone and so on. And the, um, you know, these, these companies are all chasing the same customers. Um, so you have 80% of people without internet access, but you have the, the big telcos chasing the same 20% customers. Uh, so why are they not going after the, the other customers and that, you know, that technology, it doesn't really allow them to efficiently deliver to those places. Um, if you if you look at the, the problem of solving internet access, you know the, the, Henry's completely right. There's no um, single technology or approach going to solve this because you've got such a diverse environment. You know, so, so serving internet to a remote village is a very different challenge from serving internet to a uh, super dense, very low income area in a in a capital city. Um, and one technology will solve it for the rural communities. One technology will solve it for the 
for the urban areas. Uh, and what we have to work out is how do we put all of those things together? And um, to be frank, the, the telcos or the ISPs, you know, businesses like mine need to focus on these, the on the customers that are being underserved, but they historically have been less profitable customers. And so, you know, when you're first building a telco network, you want to go after the rich pickings first, uh, and then you forget about the other guys. Uh, we, you know, people like ourselves and Henry need to focus on the the little guys, and then um, you know, leave the big guys to focus on the on the high end customers. And I'm guessing that um, an angel has touched your heart. For which reason, um, you are building a, a solution in in that sort of form, um, and 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 basically trying to address that issue. Can you tell us about um, that solution that um, your company is basically putting together? Yeah, sure. So we we operate a um, a home internet service. So it's very similar to what, you, from the customer's perspective, it feels very similar to what they would. Uh, guess if they had a fiber running to their home, uh, but we use a whole range of other technologies. We use various laser technologies. We use Wi-Fi. Uh, we hold a, use a whole mishmash of technologies for the purpose. The point I was raising, which is no one technology solves the problem. Mm. Um, and what we deliver is a um, an unlimited data home internet service. Uh, in Kenya, we charge fifteen hundred shillings, which is about fifteen US dollars, which I think is about uh, eighty five CD. Um, and, you know, that's a no caps, use as much data as you want, uh, high speed broadband connection, which people can stream video, watch Netflix, you know, that download on uh, play music. Um, and and we, we focus specifically on deploying that into low income communities and increasingly into rural communities. So we don't go after the high end customer. We have developed a solution that is focused on the mass market on for the, guy, the, the average guy in the street. Um, and we, we go after them with that proposition. What we also offer, because we build all this infrastructure then, which allows us to deliver that service, and you know that facilitates our customers consuming huge amounts of data. You know, our average customer consumes 200 GB of data a month. Um, because we've built that infrastructure, we also deploy Wi-Fi hotspots. So we've got about 10,000 Wi-Fi hotspots in, in Nairobi, the, the capital of Kenya, um, and we give customers all of our broadband customers get free, unlimited free access to that. And even guys who aren't our customers, we give 100 megabytes of free data on the hotspots every day. Um, and that allows us to wow. um, start getting customers online for the first time. And over time, they get hooked and they use more and more data and they realize the richness of the Internet. And once you take away that, that barrier of using, uh, you know, how many megabytes am I consuming? People really start to engage with the internet, and, and eventually they they migrate up and buy our our home broadband service. That's 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 incredible, though. That's incredible, Harry. What about you? What have you been up to in terms of your collaborations and some of the solutions that you've thought about to bring internet to the folks at the end of the mile? Yeah. So for for Apex, we we have two key products. Uh, so we develop, as I said earlier, uh, uh, what we call a mini server platform where we can store a digital application on this mini server and use Wi-Fi to distribute it. And the user can access the Wi-Fi, I mean, the mini server via a mobile app, a Wi-Fi mobile app we develop that, um, and we spend a lot of time developing this app as limited text, visual, we use voice on the app so the, you know, the user can know uh, what the function of uh, the different buttons or icon 
that they want to use mean because we, we're dealing with digital literacy. And we build this mini server on a solar kiosk platform. So we wanted to also provide uh, phone charging services, which is a big problem in rural area and refugee camps. And we use what we call um, uh, agent network system where we focus on women and people with disability that operate those kiosks to generate money. So it's not just providing connectivity, but also providing economic impact to those community, you know, uh, which is a big problem also, especially in refugee camps. So, so we looked at all this problem and, and, and we developed technology around this. Uh, and we are B2B2C company, our biggest clients are NGOs and telecom. So we, we, don't, we don't provide internet ourselves. We use telecom 3G mostly. Uh, we don't use 4G because 4G is in rural areas and, and, and refugee camps are not there yet, at least in the, in the countries we operate. So it's 3G, so it's a SIM card. So we put the SIM card, data SIM card in this mini router and we're able to communicate with this mini router. So our big, our big idea is to, is to build this decentralized edge network, we call it where we can really use the storage within this edge uh, to really push any type of application like video game, educational content. We're working right now on the app store uh, that will be built in. And another fact is uh, most people in rural areas, semi-urban area and uh, refugee camps uh, that have a smartphone, they don't download apps because of course data cost is, is very high, but they have limited space on their smartphone. Uh, so by, by providing an app store that is locally closer to the user and using Wi-Fi for them to access it, eliminate or minimize this data cost, but also they can process most of those applications from the server and not from their phone. So this is pretty much what our technology does. That's, that's a lot of um, innovation and um, change that the two of you especially are bringing to your various countries. And we have an example from Rwanda and from Kenya as well. Guys, I'm really, really grateful. Thank you so much um, for joining me for the conversation. But before we, we, you guys go, any final words, especially looking ahead, um, you know, getting more and more people into the conversation about provision of internet or affordable internet to the folks at the end of the mile. Any final words? Firstly, I'll start with Andy. Yeah, I think the one thing I'd add is that this isn't just about kind of connectivity. It's about a, there's a whole ecosystem of things that need to happen to, to solve this problem. Uh, you know, we have to get an internet connection to people, but they need a, they need a smartphone. They need, uh, they need the internet literacy. They, uh, particularly if you head into rural communities, they need the power, particularly it's difficult to charge phones, but also if you have a, a Wi-Fi router in your house, it's, you know, it's very difficult to power that. Um, they, we need the content. We need ways for people to make money out of getting online so they can afford to pay for the services. So connectivity is part of this, but there's a, a far wider ecosystem that needs to be built up um, by, by both by private sector, but also by public sector and government uh, to solve this problem. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a multi-dimensional problem and it's gonna take some time to solve it, um, but big steps are being made and there seems to be a, an increasing understanding by, by government, by NGOs, by commercial entities, why this is a really important problem to solve. Um, and I can see us making some really big steps over the next few years. Brilliant stuff. Thank you so much, Andy Halsall, who is a CEO of um, Poor Internet or POA Internet um, all the way in Kenya. Henry, final words. 
Yeah, I mean, the final word, uh, the words is uh, partnership, 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 partnership. I'm a big fan of uh, partnership. I, I believe that, especially for company of our size, who, you know, we, we, it's, it's hard to raise capital for a hardware company. The only way for us to expand and grow and, and, and bring, you know, a solution to the masses is through partnership. And I, I really would like to invite all those big organizations, especially telecom, to really come into this conversation, not just to, to, to talk about this problem, but really, you know, engage into this last mile connectivity. Without them and other players, it's going to be very difficult, if not impossible, to solve that problem. And I really hope, uh, you know, with, with Africa 50 getting involved, things will move a little bit faster. Yes, and in talking about things moving a little bit faster, the two of you, um, apparently award winners as well. Um, congratulations to uh, you guys. Um, how how did that go? It was it was great. Uh, they, Africa Fifty is a, a very large um, part of the African Development Bank, and they they they've been running this innovation challenge competition for the last sort of twelve months, trying to find interesting solutions for. Uh, for, for getting people online and solving this connectivity problem. Um, and so both Henry's business and my business uh, won, won prizes today. And, you know, it's, it's great to have that sort of um, stamp of approval, I guess, and sort of verification of what, of what we're doing. So it was, it was very exciting and uh, it was all part of the, the, the sort of African tech conference. So it's been a, it's been a, a hectic day for both of us, I think. <laughs> Henry, has it been that hectic? I mean, winning awards, it's kind of fun, isn't it? No, it is. It is. I mean, uh, it, it validates uh, what you're doing. It boosts your, your your momentum, and and it gives you even more confidence to continue the fight. But 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 this is a, this is a long term fight, and and I'm sure Andy can say the same. Uh, I don't know how long Andy's been trying to solve this problem, but this is a this is a this is a fight you have to be passionate about. Mm. This is not just a fight you're chasing money for. You know, um, at least I can only speak for myself. But I'm sure Andy will say the same. You know, it, 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 it's it's a it's a uphill battle that you know we we, we to be recognized and to get support behind uh, help you you know continue to fight. And that's really what I think Africa 50 in that aspect uh, part of the you know uh, the help will be uh, useful. Well, at least I know if I come to either Kenya or Rwanda, I'll have um, a good holiday um, with two award winners. <laughs> I can't complain. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you so much for making time to join me on the show. Thank you so much for the insights as well. And uh, a big congratulations to you guys on the work that you're doing on the continent. Uh, we can't wait to have some of you collaborating with partners here in Ghana as well to expand. Andy and Henry, thank you so much. And all the very best to you guys. Thank, thank you, Philip. All right, take care. In unknown territories. We are asking new questions, like how can we keep ourselves, employees, and our customers safe and keep our businesses going? And how can we make sure we get them paid with minimal physical contact? But no matter how tough the times, remember, help says we can. That's why we can help you pay salaries and even your vendors here in Ghana or pay Forex abroad with our online banking enterprise. And together, we can keep ourselves, our businesses, and the economy going. Visit firstnationalbank.com.gh and use our online banking enterprise for all payments. First National Bank. 
How can we help you? City 97.3 Accra From two great companies um, in Kenya and Rwanda, we come to one great company in Ghana, Apps and Mobile Solutions. And CEO of the company is sitting right here in front of me, um, taking selfies, which we'll probably um, get into in a bit. But Richard, uh, Richard, sorry, Richard Bassa is the CEO of Apps and Mobile, joins me in the studio. Um, a great company. If you don't know all about it, well, that's why Richard is here. Richard is going to tell us all about Apps and Mobile and what they have been up to. Richard, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Well, it's it's always a pleasure to have CEO friends join me on the show. Uh, so, Richard, uh, firstly, for people who have no idea what Apps and Mobile is about, um, what is Apps and Mobile? Well, uh, Apps and Mobile is one of the leading fintechs in Ghana, mm. uh, financial technology company. We metamorphosed from purely software company to a payment solutions provider. That one I remember. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> D to R 2019. <laughs> yes. All your e ticketing solutions. Everything provided was provided by. by, by. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And and what what sort of journey has it been? Well, uh, it's it's been tough. Mm. Yes, it's been tough. Uh, starting from zero in Ghana is no joke. There was no capital injection from anywhere. We started basically from zero and grew the company through internally generated funds or organically. Yes, so pumping back your little profit. Was there anything to call profit even in the beginning? And GRI will come and say, hey, you didn't withhold tax, so yeah, yeah, there's a penalty and interest on what you didn't withhold and all of that. So it's, it's been a tough journey. You'd get the young university graduates with computer science degree train them, they get to know the job, and then you more manage. experienced companies poach them. Mm. You start from zero, go and get new ones and train them. So that's been a journey, but it's been fulfilling. Mm. Uh, it's been very insightful, but it takes a lot of perseverance to get to where we are now. I always tell people that without a wilderness experience, there's no Kenan for you. Mm. So that that part where you that's need to powerful. kill yourself and go to the wilderness, if you don't want to go through that wilderness, there's no Kenan. I, I like that. That's a very, very powerful one. That, that wilderness experience, there's no Kaden for you. And I'm guessing it's not been all challenges or through. It's 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 looked up at a point. It's you've had some successes that you can definitely stand on top of the mountain and be absolutely proud of. Yeah, sure. Uh I mean the companies go through phases, hmm. but uh generally you start from a very low point trying to build your customer base trying to build your capabilities, trying to build your team, put in place processes. Uh, You must get to a point where the company can thrive without you being there. If the company cannot do, if things can flow or go on without your presence, then it means there's something really wrong. So yes, uh, we've been through those low moments and uh, we look back at certain things that we did and we said, well, God has been with us. We've done great. Uh, we've always thought out of the box. So the solutions that we develop, we look at the market. Uh, what what would make the market tick? What is it out there that 
we want to add that will make a difference. So we always look at, at it from that point of view. Mm. So whatever we do, we did or we've done so far, hasn't been just copying what others are doing, just looking at what can we do to make a difference. Mm. Mm. And I'm guessing collaborations have been a big part of this. Yeah, within in our space, collaborations are a bit tricky because mm. uh, people are trying to protect their territory so if you collaborate too much then someone is going to take your pie mm. so not so much uh, collaboration but in order to build uh, a visible brand you also need to be able to let go of certain revenues and say go let me do this for free let me do this in return for yeah. uh, time on your radio like we did for d2r mm-hmm. we got airtime here in february we spoke about apps and mobile and then a lot of people heard about us they didn't know that we're behind the d2r e-ticketing uh, mm. thing that we did so yes Collaborations have also helped, uh, but not at the, on the scale that we would have expected. Right. But still, we made a, a bit of it. Uh, For someone it. who wants to understand what you guys do, can you walk us through some of the products that you have that people can readily either benefit from or see that they are used to, that they don't even know yes. is from Apps and Mobile? So if you've ever voted in any of these uh, programs, let's say 40 Under 40, if you ever voted for anyone on 40 Under 40, uh, Voice Factory, uh, keyboard idol mm. if you've ever voted you're using the apps and mobile platform wow yes uh, if you ever purchase fuel at any girl station uh, you've used an apps and mobile platform wow. if you've made payments at any ash foam shop whatever you use an apps and mobile platform if you are betting on my bet or premier bet or whatever one x bet you are probably using an apps and mobile payment gateway mm-hmm. so these are some of our clients if you if you take uh, a facility from dlx and you're paying back using mobile money you're probably using an apps and mobile platform mm-hmm. so we, be, because we are pure b2b most people haven't heard of us right. because we we don't deal with the end users mm-hmm. but but i think it's it's something that we are looking at because you use a one wallet to do a payment, but you don't know that it's apps and mobile. Mm. And there we are, mm. we are, we are, we are getting to a point where I think we want to engage more with the with the end users, so they begin to see the vis- brand more visibly than than it's been done now. We, we hear you're doing a lot with um, with regards to IBM Cloud as well. Is is that the case? And what is um, how how are they enabling you to function more efficiently? Okay, so yes, IBM is our cloud infrastructure provider. Uh, when we started in 2015, it was, uh, I wouldn't say at the height of, but probably Doomso was really, really bad at that time. And uh, looking at the cost of installing physical service in our office, uh, internet that is unreliable, power is, is unreliable, we look at all of that and thought, wow, uh, what do we do if we want to really host our solutions and we move to cloud? And uh, we considered other cloud service providers, but we settled on IBM. And um, we haven't regretted that decision. For a small company that is starting and going for a big boy like IBM, that would send the shivers down your spine. It's like, hey, these guys are very expensive. Yeah. Money. But but IBM, we didn't know until we started using them. We didn't know that they they are that affordable. Uh, small companies can use them. They have packages that shoot every every packet in terms of businesses. Mm. And uh, we ha- we settled on uh, bare metal. So the bare metal is a, a physical service in the cloud. Okay. So it's not like the shared one. Mm. So we so it's a dedicated server, physical server, but it's not hosted in Ghana. It's hosted in the cloud. Right. And uh, we are able to manage and control everything from here. That's incredible stuff. I'm guessing that expansion is something that is on your mind. 
clearly, I mean, you're a business. What's, what does the future look like, you know, for Absa Mobile? Oh, the future is bright, mm. very bright. And uh, we, we definitely are looking at expansion. Um, for now, we talk about electronic payments. Uh, most is centered around Accra. Yes. But what about all the regional capitals, mm. uh, all the districts out there? Uh, people should be able to use payment solutions no matter where they are. And of course, with mobile money, it's, it's made it's made payment so ubiquitous and very simple. Yeah. You just dial a short code and you yeah, move right. money to somewhere. So we, we, we want to actually be found in every corner of Ghana before we look at regional uh, opportunities. There are, there are huge opportunities within the West African sub-region and within Africa. Yeah. And even in the face of AFTA, the African Free Trade Continental. Yeah. The, 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 opportunities the doors are, are opportunities are enormous opportunities yeah. are enormous yeah and I, I know you guys will definitely break through that that barrier as well but like you said first thing let's get africa or ghana, ghana covered yes, properly properly and yes. then we can conquer the rest of africa sure. as as we move on any final words for our listeners before you take leave of us um so my final words is that Absa Mobile is a leading uh, service provider. We were awarded by MTN last year, their 10th uh, mobile money uh, anniversary, mm. as a most emerging, Im- emerging and innovative fintech. Mm. So that's a recognition from the market leader when it comes to uh, mobile money. Mm. And so people should open up. And once you see a one wallet somewhere, it's Absa Mobile. <laughs> and we are here to stay. That's all. And that uh, we'll be knocking on your doors once for more you business. See, once you see the wallet, they one know wallet is Absa Mobile. You know yes. it's Absa Mobile. Charlie, Mobile. Hey, yeah. Richard, thank you so much for making time to join us. And a big congratulations as well. You guys have come a long way. Thank and like you. you said, it's not been an easy road, but it's been a worthwhile journey. you know, experience yeah. and yeah. journey. Yeah. And um, we are with you every single step of the way. Congratulations once again. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so for much. having me. We're going to jump straight into our segment. And um, first up is the app segment. Interesting. Apps and mobile. And we get straight into the app segment of the show. <laughs> Well, Jeffrey Rekusapo is here with the app segment of the show. And we don't have a lot of time, but we're going to bring you as much as we can before we wrap up at 8 p.m. Jeffrey, over to you. Okay, so um, the app tonight is called Grasshopper. I know. <laughs> hop, 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 hop. Okay, Grasshopper. So it's basically for anyone who wants to... It's basically for anyone who wants to learn how to code with JavaScript. So, hmm. um, you have five minutes um tutorials basically so about five minutes a day to learn how to code hmm. so five minutes a day to learn how to code with javascript so yeah. if you're out there you want to learn how to code with javascript the app is called what grasshopper grasshopper yes grasshopper g-r-a-s-s-h-o-p-p-e-r yes so if you want to learn how to code, code with, with javascript. javascript this is the app for you yes so how does it work? Um, so basically, you have visual puzzles, then some tips on using JavaScript, and then also games. Okay. So th- basically, these are the three basic things you'll be using to learn how to so do So as it. you're playing, as you're interacting, then you're, you're learning how up. to use... That's interesting. 
and it's called Grasshopper. Yes. Available where? It's on Android and iOS. Brilliant. Yes. Brilliant. Thank God. It's by Google. It's by Google. It's, yes. it's an so app when by you Google. search for it, mm-hmm. you should look for the name of the publisher is Google LLC. Right. It's only twenty three megabytes on Android. I was do it's okay. Android. The Lord will provide eventually. Anyway, so Grasshopper. Yes. If you want to learn how to code with JavaScript, yes. Grasshopper is the app that you should get. So please, guys, check it out. But I haven't personally used it before, but check it out. If Jeffrey is recommending it, then trust me, it's probably way up there and it's really really good and anyway says she's cold <laughs> well isn't she always um <laughs> <laughs> okay so to get in touch with me on social media uh, my twitter handle is at ojsarpong ojsapon if you want to get in touch with me on linkedin it's jeffrey oroku sapon not oroku o w u u R A K U Uroku. Thank you very W-U. much. W U. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ellen. Ellen is here joining us as well to bring us um, your tech. Your tech basically is the segment on the show where we try to figure out what some of your problems are and we try to bring you solutions to those problems. So, um, Ellen, what do you have for us today? The cold one. <laughs> Hi, by the way. So, AJ. <laughs> AJ spoke to me, and it basically has to do with um, a phone or kind of phone, and then some apps that cannot, you know, be installed onto the phone. So let's listen to him. I got this phone, Huawei Y6P, and I was struggling like installing apps on the phone. It's like you can't use Google Play Store, so like without restrictions to Google. So anything that anything that is related to Google, you can't. I bought it when the pre-order season was like in place, and I think just last two weeks or so. I I bought it from um, a Huawei shop at Medina. I sent them I sent them a mail, and I think four days ago I spoke to them, and they told me to go and download some app called Peta. Yes, and I did. However, when you are downloading on Peta, instead of downloading from like the way Play Store works, once you click on download. It start downloading by naturally. This time around, it will send you to the internet and it will make the app like an APK. So you download it all right, install it. But because they have refused to access Google stuff, you can't really operate the app. For instance, I'm a blogger, so I like to have AdSense on my phone and then I'd like to have Google an- an- Analytics on the phone. I've downloaded them all right, but it can't be operated on the phone. Hmm. Well, I mean... It is a Huawei mobile service. Um, So you should know basically what you're signing up for. He he probably didn't know. He probably didn't know. What's the solution for him then? (laughs) So yes, we have a a solution for him. Let's listen to that. AJ, Google does not support Huawei anymore because of the directive the US government has given them. So the latest Huawei phones that are coming out don't have Google services. They don't have App um, Play Store and a whole host of other services that are provided by Google. So apart from Android, they don't get anything from Google. So the measures they've put in place, that is until their own operating system becomes available, is to provide you with the Huawei App Store. But apps like WhatsApp and a few others cannot be had on the Huawei App Store. So the alternative is Petal. Petal is a search engine that gives you direct access to APKs so that you can download the APKs 
without the support of Google. Well, when you download an APK file for WhatsApp, for Instagram, for anything, you can install it directly without the help of Google services. Now, your other option is if you don't mind losing your warranty, is you can flash it with a different Android ROM, a very good recipe for Android ROMs is Synogen. Synogen has very, very good Android versions that are Bluetooth-free, that are very, very stable and they work very well. And you get all the complement of the Google services and all those things. You can have access to more information on this topic and uh, access to ROMs from xdadevelopers.com. I hope this helps you. All the best. Enjoy your phone. Bye-bye. Well, AJ. I'm, I mean... We hope this helps. That's as good as it gets. It's yeah. one of the best advice you can ever get. So <laughs> I do hope it solves your problem. Um, sure. Yeah. Anyway, if you want to get in touch with Ellen. The Twitter handle is at E-A-D-A-P-A. D-A-P-A-H. Please, let's talk. Yes. And let's help each other out. Let's talk so that we can help each other out. Anyway. Finally, to trending, and um, Mr. Entry is here. Um, there was an event today. Yeah, I today was a big day. Yes, today was a big the, day. The, the one, one more last thing, thing. One last thing event today. The, the main thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was a bit disappointed, but you go ahead. Uh, okay. So, uh, I would say this this is the reinvention of the Mac. Right. And then there were three, let's say five new products. Right. So, to start, there was the M1. That's a new ARM For processor. me, that's the only thing that they should have talked about. But regardless. <laughs> that's, that's the only that's thing I new, remember. The new processor, right. which is one of its kind. Yeah. Uh, 8-core GPU, 8-core CPU, leading industry performance and it goes on and on. And then from the from the M1, there's a new Mac OS, which is a big, uh, uh, quite, a quiet performance, good battery life. It works with universal apps. That means you can have your app on your Mac and also on your phone, use it universally, and mm-hmm. it's amazing. Mm. Uh, so to the product they launched today, there were three of them. Mm. So the first one was the MacBook Air, mm-hmm. which, is, which has five times faster graphics than a normal PC or Mac, which is even around now. That is how they will sell it. Yes, <laughs> and then three times fast. Three is three times faster than any PC. In and its all class. of this is because of the M1. Chip. Yes, that's, because of the M1. I, I mean, that's the for me. That's the only. Th- that's why I'm saying that that is the only yeah. thing they probably should have announced today. Yeah. Because in all of these devices, whether it's a Mac Mini, the MacBook Air, or the MacBook Pro 13 inch you know, whichever. Yeah. It's very clear that the M1 mm. is the only differentiating factor. Makes it, unique. it just makes it unique. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about how silent it yeah. works, in, like, you know, um, instant opening of apps and, you know, software and things like that, it's just because of the M1. M1. Yeah, so for the Mac, the MacBook Air, it comes with no fun. Mm. And it's amazing. Mm. So the cooling system, everything is in there, silent, silent design without the fun. So no fun, so what will cool it? It's a cooling system. It is not a fan. Is it a cooling liquid? No, it's a cooling system, but it is not a fan. Yeah. And for, for think those... About no, think, think about it for a second. Think about it. Yeah, think about it. You know, think about it. Anyway. Yeah, so those interested in the price, it starts at $99, mm-hmm. $999, which mm-hmm. in CDs will be... Say it properly. <laughs> <laughs> Your time. Take your time. 900 point nine nine. No, nine hundred and ninety nine US dollars, yeah. and in yeah. CDs will be five point nine K CDs. I mean, yeah. If if you want to, obviously, it won't cost yeah. that much. Uh, you won't cost that little. Yeah. It will probably have to be buying it for like seven thousand or eight thousand CDs uh, when it eventually comes down. But I mean, 
Yeah, for me, like I said, the most exciting thing about the Apple event yeah. today was the M1. M1. Yeah. How Apple is moving away and starting its own chip, yeah. sort of. And that makes it easier for them, for example, in terms of integration mm-hmm. between operating systems, systems, whether it is iOS incorporating with Mac OS, incorporating with iPad, iPad OS, whichever one it is. They are able to now control, for example, when they release products and don't have to wait for Intel or don't have to wait for anybody else. And I mean, the fact that they are also, because one of the things that they talked about was how people who use the Intel platform Mm -hmm. can basically have a unified sort of um, place where they can basically run all of their... And I I think those are the things that will be the biggest sellers. But the biggest talking point is the M1, M1. is the new chip made solely by By Apple Apple. for For their products. You know, so it's a new chip made by Apple for Apple. And and for me, I think that's the biggest thing. But anyway, um, if you want to get in touch with Mr. Entry... So you can reach me on Twitter, OYEntry on twitter yes indeed you can and that will be where we draw the curtains down on today's show i hope you have learned a thing or two or benefited um, from the knowledge and the insights shared by my guest on the show the show will be available as a podcast first thing tomorrow so please look out for that and um yeah till next week um stay techie City 97.3 More Variety